Howdy folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Utari and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm really referring to is growth in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. What we're going to do in this episode today is back up just a wee bit and discuss some things that help set the table a little bit more for this whole topic of the miracles, signs, and wonders of God today. It's one thing for us to take a look at what God has done, and I love doing that. I love looking over the history of the world and seeing at various times where God just sovereignly involves himself in the affairs of mankind and demonstrates to us things that are miraculous, things that are signs, and things that are wonders that point to him, that point to the reality that he is, and that he is someone who actually, he gives rewards to those who diligently seek him. God loves us. Point blank, period. God loves us. He is in love with us. He created us so that we would have relationship with him and we would have relationship with one another and that we would enjoy it. You know, it's one thing to have that forced relationship thing or that pre-arranged marriage where you're stuck with what you got. Well, that's not the deal with God. And that's not how he has it with each other. Those things are cultural. Those things are things that come into play because we as people attempt to either take away or add to the plan of God, period. God, in his everlasting love, has determined that throughout history, he is going to involve himself in ways that go beyond the norm. And we just so happen to be in a point in world history where that is taking place again. It has been taking place, but it's been taking place here and there. What we're going to be seeing in the next several years is a movement that is across the board meaning across the nations, that demonstrates the tremendous glory of God. 
His presence being so real in our midst that it's tangible. We've had things seemingly at a distance for several years. And now we're at a point where God has determined to express himself in ways that exceed what we have known previously. And when that takes place, it's both good and also it creates some things that can be really difficult to contend with because it stirs things up. You know that old saying, let a sleeping dog go ahead and stay asleep or let a sleeping dog lie? Man, on one hand, if we don't have the right things on our list that we can do to contend with the woken up dog, well, let it sleep. But if we have power to contend with that thing that stands in our way, then we as people can rise up and contend with that thing with the power that is greater than it. And that is God rising up in our midst. Not to be politically correct, okay, not for your political party to be the winning party. That's not the plan of God. Once again, God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not independent. God is God, and God is going to serve his purposes, point blank, period. I, for one, am called to be involved with the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing in this particular episode is pulling back a little bit, making mention once again of the fact that we are living in a point in world history where miracles, signs, and wonders from God are going to become more and more evident. And that's why I'm expressing these things in this podcast right now so that we can be prepared as that unfolds more and more. However, it's important for us to take a look once again at the greatest, at the most amazing demonstration of miracles, signs, and wonders that has ever happened on this planet. And if we're going to be studying a lifestyle of walking in the supernatural, then it's best for us to take a look at the example. Kind of like if you're going to study how to detect a counterfeit $20 bill, you don't study a bunch of counterfeits, you study the real thing. Well, in studying the real miracles, signs, and wonders example, we go to the greatest. And the greatest ever is not the creation of this world. As amazing as that is, to call into existence something out of nothing, that is a miracle, that is a sign, that is a wonder, that points directly to God. Because that's what miracle signs and wonders do. They point to God. The reality of God being God because God wants us to have a relationship with him, not just with an idea of him. It's like someone having an idea of you and then saying they have a relationship with you. They really don't. It takes having a relationship with you in order to have a relationship with you. 
Same thing goes with God. We have to know who it is that we're having a relationship with. We have to know them personally. And Jesus Christ provides that for us. And he is the only one who can provide that for us. That we can have a relationship with God that is close, that is intimate, that's real. Like a father having a relationship with his children, we can have a relationship with God and we can have relationships with each other that are healthy, that are vibrant, that are real, that are attractive, that aren't degrading, that aren't destructive, that aren't problematic. Jesus is the greatest miracle. He's the greatest sign. He's the greatest wonder of them all. And I'm going to start out from his birth. Born of a virgin, meaning she did not have sex with a man in order for her to become impregnated. God, as it said, overshadowed her and imparted into her womb the seed that would be his seed. And that seed took on form, and that form was Jesus. God became a man conceived in the womb of a virgin. An immaculate conception. Another element to Jesus in his birth was a star, literally a star that appeared that guided those who were star gazers Magi and wise men from different parts of the world guided them to where Jesus was born, guided them to his childhood place, and they distributed gifts to him. A star. Angelic beings, multitudes of angelic beings, singing and pronouncing the birth of Jesus, singing about his majesty, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. More than a Christmas carol, these angels burst out in the sky and shepherds heard their song. <laughs> now, Jesus was born that way because he was born without sin. Literally, he did not have a sin nature in him like we do. Jesus was born without sin. And there's a reason behind that. Because he was going to become the perfect sinless sacrifice. The only way in which we could have relationship with God was going to be for there to be a sacrifice. And that sacrifice had to be a sinless sacrifice. And it had to be the sacrifice of a human being, a sinless human being. Now, this is a mind blower for me. Not one sin. Jesus did not commit one sin as a two or a three-year-old. <laughs> Have you ever been around kids that are two or three years old? It's called the terrible twos for a reason, right? Now, I'm not saying Jesus wasn't full of energy, but he did not have that thing inside of him where 
You can ask a two-year-old if they took a cookie from the cookie jar, right? And they got cookie dust all over them, and they got the cookie half-eaten in their hand. And you can ask that two-year-old, now, did you take that cookie from the cookie jar? And they can look you right in the face and say, no. Nobody taught that two-year-old how to do that. They just knew how to sin by lying. Jesus, at the age of two or three, never had one sin. Now, here's another one. During adolescence, have you ever met an adolescent person or do you remember being one? I barely remember being one and it was a strange time. I didn't know if you should hold me close or I didn't know if you should let me go. I don't know if I should run away or have you hug me. I was mixed up and also I had hormones going every which direction. I didn't know if I wanted to do something sexual right away or if I wanted to wait five minutes, which would have been a long time for me, right? We all know what it's like to be an adolescent. Jesus did not commit one sin as an adolescent person. Not one. <laughs> you what was, I mean, live like a boring life or something or what? No, he had a very, very, very active life. In fact, at the age of 12, he was literally impressing people that were experts in the scriptures. And he was telling them things that were just far beyond his ability to know as a 12-year-old. And they were astounded. So Jesus was not this, you know, socially awkward person. He was very involved in his community. And yet, he didn't sin as an adolescent. He did not commit one sin as a single man from a home of a single woman. More than likely, Joseph was dead by the time Jesus was an adult. And so, more than likely, he was either raised by another guy or he was in the home of a single mom. Regardless, Jesus had every opportunity to be a wild young man. And women, by the way, in his time were nothing more or nothing less than property. They didn't have equal rights. There was no such thing as equal rights. Women were like livestock or like dogs. And so it was nothing for a man to be unfaithful to his wife. In fact, it was almost expected. Also, it was nothing for a young man to have some sexual experiences before he got married. They didn't talk about it because it was so common. Jesus did not commit one sin as a single man. He did not commit, this is wild, he did not commit one sin as a popular, miracle-working, traveling evangelist. Get out of here. How many 
miracle-working, popular traveling evangelists do you know that haven't committed a sin with either money, women, or prestige power? That's been a that, that's half the reason why I didn't want to do this particular podcast is because of the creepy things that have been done in the name of miracles, signs, and wonders, and this traveling evangelist thing. Been more like a sideshow barker. Said it before where they go and she walks, she talks, she crawls on her belly. Come, we got tickets. Come see your miracle. All that jazz. Ah, come on. Jesus didn't do that stuff. He did not sin once when he was falsely arrested and beaten. He did not sin when he was betrayed. He did not sin when he was being whipped and falsely accused. He did not sin while dying the death of a traitor on the cross. Can you imagine the temptation to just say, okay, I've, I've had enough of this stuff. Okay, I was willing to suffer. I was willing to go through some pain, but this has gone too far. Now, now I'm going to take matters into my own hands. That would have been me. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not say anything or do anything. He didn't even think anything that was sinful during his time in a monkey court in Jerusalem prior to his death. He did not sin while he was on the cross. Amazing. I can't even express how phenomenal that act alone is. Now, Jesus died, right? I mean, he literally died. He didn't go into a suspended time of animation. He didn't go into a deep breathing exercise where he shallowed, where he, he took shallow breaths until they almost non-existed. He didn't do that. He died. The spear in his side proved it when blood and water just came gushing out, and that was it. I mean, that was it. If they need any more proof, that was proof right there. He was dead. Jesus Christ died. And here is the most amazing of amazing points. Yeah, he was beaten beyond recognition, literally. It wasn't like he got a few scratches on his face. He was beaten to a pulp on his face. His back was like hamburger. His body was literally in shreds. And no blood. No blood. No water. He was empty. He was dead. And here is the amazing reality that secured everything. He resurrected. He was resurrected. He was resurrected from the dead. He was resurrected in a completely whole body. 
He was resurrected in a body that was the same body, but it didn't have the old scars on it from the cross. It didn't have the old beating marks. He kept the scars on his hands and his feet, maybe on his back, I don't know, but his face was recognizable. He was able to walk through walls. He was able to ascend to the Father. He was able to come back and manifest himself. He was able to reveal his glory. He was able to travel through time and space. He was able to do things that previously he wasn't able to do. He was a resurrected body, and it was a resurrected body that was a body that was like the body we would have. Resurrected in the same way that we'll be resurrected. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Resurrected. You know, we've heard that so many times that it's almost like it doesn't do much at times. Oh, yeah, we was resurrected. You know, yep. Well, when's the last time you've seen, excuse me, when's the last time you've seen a person resurrected for the rest of their life? Never to die again. Right? Resurrected. So, in his resurrection, excuse me, in his resurrection, he didn't sin. Meaning it wasn't, now it's payback time. You know? I'm resurrected and boy, oh boy, oh boy, do I remember what you guys did. Or, now that I'm resurrected, now I get to really, you know, do some damage. Get to sin my brains out. Now, he didn't commit one sin. Now, not one sin has he committed while he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Amazing. Jesus Christ is the number one example of miracles, signs, and wonders. It's relationship with him that we're called into. It's relationship with each other that he provides so that we can demonstrate what it's like to actually be a people that are called and chosen by his name. We take on his likeness. We take on his nature. We are engaged with him. We interact with him. We follow his lead. We obey him. We worship him. We obey what he says. We look to see what he's doing, and we do them. We don't follow signs. Signs follow us. And Matthew chapter, specifically Matthew chapters 5 through 8, including chapter 4. I should back up and say chapters 4 through 8. Matthew chapters 4 through 8 will remain to be moving forward, our primary point of focus, but it was necessary for me to highlight, once again, the supreme example of what the miracle signs and wonders of God really are, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we turn our eyes to Jesus right now. And Lord Jesus, we offer our lives 
to you. We look to you and say you are our supreme example as to how we can walk, how we can talk, what we can do on earth as it's being done in heaven, that your kingdom would be manifest to us and through us, and that we would live a life like you. We exalt you, Lord. I express these things today as a point of exaltation of Jesus Christ, of exalting you, Lord, your name, Jesus Christ, being lifted high so that we can see clearly who it is that we're worshiping and that we can see clearly who it is that we're becoming like. Lord, in the midst of our busyness, slow us down so that we can see what really matters. Slow us down so that we can see things that are functioning by your Spirit. God, help us see your ways. Help us understand your words. And help us live out those things that portray life in your kingdom, including a demonstration of your miracles your signs, and your wonders. That they would point to you and that we would be a people that would be faithful in saying, turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his face because the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And we speak these things out loud. We declare them to be true in our lives. We thank you for the reality of them being demonstrated day by day. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, folks, I love you. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, stuff like that, please feel free to drop us a line at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, God bless you. Adios, amigos.